Good afternoon. Happy Friday. Welcome into the BetUS MBA show. We have Josh C. and Alex Christensen here with us today. I'm your host, Kay Constable. The Miami Heat became the first team to clinch a spot in their respective conference final last night. And Alex, unfortunately, it was at the hands of your 76ers. Are you relieved that the season's over? I was yesterday. <laughs> I was until Not about today. 30 minutes ago. Well, okay, so relieved the season's over yesterday, but now you have a press conference today to kind of go over what happened in yesterday's game, and some things came out of that that maybe a certain coach might be back next year. How do we feel about that? Exactly. You're not frozen. You just are. <laughs> not great. Um, obviously, the Sixers would have done better with a healthy Joel Embiid, but <laughs> let's see. Why did Joel Embiid get hurt? How did he break his eye? That's right. He was in the game at the end of a game for no reason at the end of a blowout. Now, who would have been in charge of that? Mm. Anyway, but, you know, obviously the Sixers would have been better in this series with Joel Embiid, but even before you get to the postseason, just so many systematic failures, whether it be the front office failing to provide enough, whether it be through second-round picks, undrafted free agents, the little ways that you see better teams like the Miami Heat are just full of undrafted free agents they've developed into players. You look at the Sixers, they have probably eight guys that are actually ready to play postseason basketball. He wasted almost an entire season not trying different combinations, not getting some of these younger guys in. A guy like Paul Reed, who at moments looks very interesting, but, I mean, he should have been playing 20, 25 minutes at least once a week. I mean, there's just there's no system of success here. There is no great buildup to, to what is the postseason. It's just a team staggering into the postseason and hoping that Joel Embiid can stand upright. And I, I think even if he wasn't injured, he just looked exhausted last night. <laughs> All of his jumpers were coming up short. There was almost no lift. And you saw it after the game. He just looked defeated. I mean, it's it's a shame for someone that we know cares so much that we've seen literally cry on a basketball court before. I mean, he just he cares a ton. I think he needs some help, but I don't know if Glenn's the guy to get there. Now, Maybe he takes the offseason following James Harden around, making sure he doesn't eat too much and spend too much time in nightclubs, maybe play a little basketball, hopefully get himself in shape. But unless he's willing to do that or maybe take a real look at himself, someone who over and over in press conferences defended situation decisions that are mind-boggling. But, you know, I guess, we, you know, at first you don't succeed, and at second you don't succeed. <laughs> Try it again. What the hell? Hey. So speaking of James Harden, Four for nine yesterday, zero points in the second half. I believe he only attempted two shots in the second half. Jeff, what, what did we learn about James Harden that maybe we didn't already know through this series? Nothing. It's a repeat of the same stuff. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's like banging your head against the wall, expecting different results when it comes to Harden in the playoffs, unfortunately. And, you know... As much as you'd, you'd want to hope something will change over time, I think it's at a point in his career now where you can say that this is James Harden, this is what you get. And uh, if you're happy with it, sure, then, you know, go ahead, make a trade for him, enjoy whatever it is he brings to your team. Uh, but if you're expecting any sort of change, I think you're just going to be constantly disappointed. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him in the offseason. I mean, I, I don't see a world where they don't re-sign him, given what they had to give up to bring him there in the first place. But... Obviously, the contract that he'll be demanding will undoubtedly, I think, I don't want to say cripple the rest of the roster, but it certainly puts limitations in place as to what you can do with it. 
Um, so it, it's a tough situation at the moment for Philadelphia. It'll be interesting to see how exactly they retool for next season or if they really do just try and run it back as is. Yeah, I don't think Harden's going to be getting the money that he expects to be getting. I mean, there's just no way he's worth that at this point in his career, right? He's locked into next season, I think, for like $47 million, and then it's whether or not they try to extend him next season or sign him to a new deal. Again, we'll see. Amore is always very aggressive in trades, but he loves James Harden. He's gone yeah. out and gotten him now twice, um, made a big move for him. And again, we'll see. Maybe through a full season, they could build some chemistry, find a way to use him, limit his usage during the season so that he can finally peak in the postseason. Again, get him a little more familiar with Maxi and Embiid and stuff. But it really feels optimistic to just look at this and go, all right, let's just try it again with these guys. So two contrasting players, James Harden, and then you have Jimmy Butler. One of the guys doesn't want the smoke at all. The other guy loves the smoke, and that's Jimmy Butler. He had 32 points yesterday, put up 29 shots. That's kind of what you want from your star player in a potential closeout game or a have-to-force game seven. I mean, we looked at Harden's shots, nine attempts. Jimmy Butler shot 20 more shots than James Harden. What did, what did we think of the Heat's performance yesterday, Josh? I think we got what we expected from the Heat yesterday. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately someone like Jimmy Butler who embraces that environment in particular and I think had a, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder playing in Philadelphia in an elimination game like that and certainly let it be known after the fact when walking back to the tunnel. So he he is what he is in the same way that James Harden is what he is. Unfortunately, they're just at opposite ends of the spectrum. So Miami know what they have in a player like that and, you know, ultimately can build a culture and a team around someone like that as well. So contrasting situations and obviously the results, I think, speak to that as well. And it's not just shooting 29 shots. It's having shot so few shots in the first games, knowing earlier in the series when they have more players, all right, let's let everybody else kind of get it done. As it gets later, as the roster gets thinner, and the Heat roster really was just about mm -hmm. everybody questionable that last game. You looked around and went, okay, I'm going to play 43 minutes tonight and shoot the ball 29 times. You look back, I mean, he shot 16, 15, 22, 20, 15. I mean, just to have that sense of awareness and to be able to go, okay, tonight's tonight. I'm going to take a bigger load and get this thing across the goal line is really what's most impressive and I think is what, honestly, everyone looks for in any star, let alone James Harden, Joel Embiid, anybody that's playing in this series. That's what's impressive about anybody when they truly reach this level. So speaking of another star that kind of took over the game for his team yesterday, Luka Doncic, he shot 11 for 26 at 33 points. And the Mavs force a game seven now back in Phoenix. What is it with this series that home court advantage isn't just a, a small advantage, it's a massive one. I mean, every time a team's gotten blown out on the opposing team's home court, what's going on? I wish I could tell you. It's kind of got my head in a pretzel a little bit. And Alex has said it multiple times on the show where it's just as simple as in this series in particular, are the Dallas Mavericks going to get hot from beyond the arc? Are they going to shoot upwards of 40% from deep? If they are, they probably win the game. And that's kind of just been the uh, the recipes for success for them in particular. And unfortunately for Phoenix, they just haven't shown up on the road, which is very strange for them. Um, and, you know, I think yesterday's performance in particular was really disappointing from them. So, you know, going home, yes, it helps being back at home, but it's a game seven. It's a coin flip. Anything can happen in, in you know, this one-off situation scenario. So they've put themselves up against the wall, especially against a team that's going to run their offense in the way that Dallas does, where 
uh, you're just going to have to live with whatever variance comes that night. And you have to, I guess, hope for the best in terms of the fact that some of those role players don't find rhythm and start, you know, going four for four from deep or something of the sort. And it's not just the shooting that seems to be doing well at home. It's the turnover battle. For some reason, Phoenix yeah. can't hold on to the ball when they're in Dallas. Um, you look at the games in Dallas, they lost the turnover battle 17-18, 17-11, and last night, I believe, 22-9, something like that. Um, just outrageous. So, I, again, I don't know what Dallas is doing on defense at home that isn't working in Phoenix, but uh, there's something odd. Should we not tell Chris and let him uh, in on the fact that Devin Booker didn't play very well yesterday, didn't have many points in the second half, didn't really take over the game? Let's just keep that between us three and, and not, not talk about that with Chris. Yeah. All right. Let's turn our attention to today's games, two games on the docket. We'll start with our overall record to kick things off. Yesterday, as a team, uh, one and one. Not bad, Josh. You were uh, smart not to have any plays yesterday. Uh, I mean, that's getting more and more common as the playoffs go on. These things are hard. And uh, yeah. if you don't have a play you like, might as well not make a play, right? Yeah, pretty much. All right. Celtics Bucks tonight. First game up in Milwaukee. Bucks are laying one and a half. The total here is 212 and a half. And Milwaukee really has Boston on the ropes. This is a potential closeout game for the Bucks. These two teams have altered wins this entire series. So if that that trend were to continue tonight, we would see the Celtics get the win and obviously then force a game seven. Josh, what's your take on tonight's game? Yeah, I hope it's just that straightforward. I'm not looking forward to the emotional stress that's going to come in the next couple of hours and throughout the entirety of this game. But I still stubbornly believe this is going to seven games. I still think Boston have it in them to to show up in a pretty big way here. I still think that, you know, their defense obviously uh, is playing at a level that's as high as anyone in the NBA playoffs at the moment. So, you know, I, I think as well, looking back at, at that game five, as frustrating as it was, Milwaukee that fourth quarter were extremely impressive. But, you know, like I said, they were six for six from deep as well. And, and you know, when... When those three-point shots are going, it makes it extremely difficult for either of these teams to sort of keep pace just because of how good both defences are in half-court sets uh, elsewhere. And if you take away that three-point shot, I don't think Milwaukee has necessarily been terrific in half-court offensive sets at all this series as a whole. So, you know, I do believe that there will be a little bit of regression at that end of the floor. And if there is, then, you know, I trust Boston's defence to again do enough. And I, I think that their offence should be able to do a little bit better in this uh, this time around and hopefully, you know, not get into a situation where they go ISO and they stop moving the ball down the stretch and, you know, try and essentially lean on their defense to get them over the line. Hopefully it's a lesson learned, if nothing else. But I, I do still believe that Boston are very much live in this series. I'm willing to obviously, you know, play them today and not necessarily write them off to get through either. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of stubborn bias, but I think that there's also enough that we've seen uh, that passes the eye test and the metrics kind of speak to that as well. So, I love the Celtics to, to force a game seven and then, you know, we see what happens from there. You mentioned Milwaukee's shooting in that fourth quarter of the last game. I mean, they shot 44% in that game five from deep. I don't think that's going to happen again. They also had 17 offensive rebounds in game five. So they've been kind of killing the Celtics on the O boards even the last two games. I think the Celtics make that a point of emphasis to not allow that many offensive rebounds and not allow the Bucks to shoot that well from outside. So I'm actually going to play the under in this one, under 212 and a half. 
I mean, I think this is going to be a defensive battle. We see both defenses show out. The Bucs have the best defense in the playoffs thus far. Celtics have the best regular season defense. And Robert Williams for the Celtics is questionable for tonight's game. And i got to imagine he's going to be playing. If this is a potential closeout game, your season's on the line. His injury, a bone bruise or, or something like that, that's kind of just more of pain management. And I'm not anyone to sit here and say he's not in pain or, or it's he's faking it or can't play through it. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I just have to imagine that you, you, you play in this type of game. And he's one of the players that's really helped turn this Celtics defense around midway through the season. He has the ability to kind of roam the back line, uh, all these switches. He's able to, um, you know, just bring a better presence on the defensive end and honestly guard Giannis a little bit better than Grant Williams has these past couple of games. So all of that taken into account uh, the Celtics limiting Milwaukee's offensive rebounds and therefore their second chance points. I think we get a very uh, slow, very defensive minded game tonight. So I'm going to play the under Alex. What are your thoughts on this one? It's been a really back and forth series. And I wonder if we're finally going to see the home team be able to close here. The last two games, we saw the home team going to the fourth quarter late in the game with a big lead and just kind of collapse under the heat and momentum of the other team finally picking up some shooting. I mean, Josh makes a great point. The team that shot better from three has won four out of five games in this series. It's really come down to that. And when you're at home, again, usually the shooting is better. I think we'll see a better night from some of the Milwaukee Bucks backup guys. Grayson Allen is usually much better at home than he is on the road. But this, again, the series has been really back and forth, and I'm just worried if the Bucks, for some reason, tighten up again like they did last game or take their foot off the gas. Let's see if maybe they learned that lesson from losing last time at home because it was a pretty disappointing loss for them. I mean, that puts them up 3-1 in the series, and we're done at this point, right? So we'll see if they learn their lesson tonight. I took a very close game. I think an under is a great look here tonight. I'm kind of going to hope. I'm going to kind of hope that we get a quick start here and maybe I can get a little better number live early, um, especially with how close some of these games have been. And, I mean, we've had a shot at overtime a couple times here. So we'll see. It should be a really fun game. I like the Bucks to close it out at home. And I think, again, it should be kind of a slow, ugly game. But we'll see. There's just been really some big shooting variants night in and night out. This total opened at 212. Might have opened at 212.5. Went down to 210.5. And now back up to 212 and a half. What do we think that's all about? Because I'm a little upset. I grabbed this at 210 and a half. Uh, you know, generally the late move tends to be the sharper move. In general, limits are bigger later in the day. So that move you see a little bit later. Uh, I'm not exactly sure of the timing of that. I didn't get a chance to look at it. But it makes a little bit of sense overall. You take a look at the line in this game, in this series. The total starts at 218 and 215, 212. 213 and 211 last game. We end up going over. In general, overs have hit the last two games. So I wonder if maybe there are some people going out. Maybe they set themselves up for a better under later. You see that sometimes. Sharp betters will go and push it down and then whack it later when limits get up. Or people are looking at this going, you know what? The pace is starting to pick up a little bit in these last couple games. The shooting is getting better. And it's so close. We have a shot at overtime. Maybe over is the bet. So a little hard to track all that. But timing is everything for sure. All right. Well, Josh, taking the Celtics tonight, not even taking the, the points. He's just playing the straight money line, has confidence in his uh, in his team tonight. And I'm going to play the under 212 and a half. Grizzlies Warriors. No idea what to think in this game because uh, the Warriors are laying eight. They're back at home in San Francisco. Total is 218 and a half. But after what we saw in game five, uh, who knows what to think? Grizzlies won that game by 
40, 39 points and without John Morant. The Grizzlies are not better without John Morant, but they have been playing better as of late. So the Warriors, again, another chance to close this one out. They still lead the series 3-2, but uh, it's feeling a little bit closer uh, than that right now. Alex, do you have any plays in this one? The Grizzlies in a series, well, maybe to take a step back, in a series where anything continues to be possible, if you've watched the show, I've now this will be the third game in a row I've said this, anything could happen in this game. I, I could see either one of these teams having a good shooting night, the way the pace, I think, is going to be pushed, the intensity both teams are going to bring. And that's a lot of what we saw last game. I mean, Memphis came out, they started out early, and that's a tough place to play basketball. And Golden State got behind and really was not ready. So they scamper home where generally they shoot better. But give me the eight points. I don't care if it's the Grizzlies or really anybody, honestly. In a game where there's going to be a high pace, again, anything really seems like it's possible. Eight seems like a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Memphis Grizzlies are much better with John Moran but their defense gets better reads off the floor. Now, part of that is a lot of those statistics are against second units and things like that. But overall, they're still a very good basketball team without them. They have enough depth to kind of fill things in. And they have the ability, because they've missed him for swaths of the year, to create an identity. You know, a good coach, when he has opportunities like that, goes, okay, let's figure out how to play basketball without John Morant. And they really know how to do it. It's something they've practiced and done before. You see Jaron Jackson Jr. really get unlocked in those guys. And it's just a deep team who's ready to kind of step up so i think the warriors do win and close it out but give me the points it's just too many josh you agree with him yeah pretty much entirely i I can't really get to this number i got an eight and a half uh earlier on and i just think that you know like alex said any game script is possible here any outcome is possible here and if you're going to give me more than you know basically two possessions really then uh, i'll snatch that up in a situation like this is Memphis team isn't going to lie down. They could be down double digits and they're still not going to lie down either. And You know, they'll fight to the end. And then, like I said, that back door could be open. There's a world where they win outright and they force, you know, a game seven themselves. And yeah, a multitude of game scripts, a lot of them still points in Memphis covering in a situation like this. And you, you look at how the series has panned out and the matchups here and they're not too dissimilar teams either. So I don't understand the disparity in the market between them here. Uh, even with John Moran out, I, I've obviously been a little bit higher on Memphis. I've been riding them ATS probably most games. I did get the four and a half I was looking for last game as well, which was nice. So, yeah, I'll keep doing the same here again. And hopefully we do get a game seven because it means that we cash again and we can probably ride Memphis again as well on the lines one more time. So, yeah, it's basically as simple as that. I don't think the Warriors have been quite as impressive for me this series as maybe they have been to some other people. Um, you know, in fact, they've probably been a little bit disappointing, especially with their fourth quarter execution in a lot of games, aside from that one blowout where everything just seemed to be falling for them. And it was just one of those nights. But, you know, even in a game like that, if you go back and watch it, they weren't necessarily all that impressive themselves either. So I, I like Memphis in this spot to, to absolutely cover and just certainly be live to win outright and, and potentially force a game seven. I'm not saying that they will, but I'm saying that, you know, it's certainly within the realms of possibility. Yeah, especially with Steve Kerr still sidelined and Mike Brown as the head coach right now. And uh, Mitch Armstrong loves it. Loves it, Josh. Love it. Both of your guys' takes. Same side. Excellent. <laughs> um, what do you think in terms of the total here? 218 and a half. I feel like we're going to get off to a fast start. I could see an over happening here. Yeah. I think it's been an over series. Let me double check. Uh, overs are three and two. Way. Yeah, I, I would certainly lean that way. I, I think the Warriors are going to come out and be a bit more aggressive about it, force tempo a little bit, and I don't think Memphis is necessarily going to shy away from it either. So, 
especially for the first half, you could you could get quite a bit of back and forth, and maybe a first half overs is a better look if you want to look at leaning that way on the total. But yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to play an under. I don't think in this game. Yeah, I would agree. That will never feel safe. No. All right. Well, both of you agreeing today, and um, Aaron Rodgers there agrees. I'm not sure that's the real Aaron Rodgers, but uh, Aaron Rod, I should say, agrees. Grizzlies plus eight is the right side, and that's what both Josh and Alex are playing tonight. Questions for today. Do we have any? Well, while we wait for a couple questions to come in, Josh, we always have the same question. <laughs> so let's hear it. Player props, what do we got? Let's go hit player props. Let, let, let's go with Memphis Golden State. I think it's going to be the faster of the two paced. I think there's going to be more scoring opportunities there. And uh, one thing that Alex pointed out that I completely agree with is the higher level of opportunity, it seems, for Jaron Jackson Jr. in these situations where there is no Jar Morant. So I'll, I'd, again, look at his points here. Maybe even look at his three-pointers made individually. He seems to certainly be averaging a much higher number um, in these spots. So I, I will ride him and... and I, you know, even though he does perform notably better at home, I still think he can get it done on the road and cover that number. I'm going to uh, fade Dylan Brooks again. Still not playing great in this <laughs> series. Uh, his points prop was at 19 and a half last game. It's at 17 and a half tonight. I, I think that's just way too high based on what we've seen from him throughout the first five games of this series. So. Uh, I'm going to keep riding that one and, and see what happens. Alex, you like it? 19 was foolish. Uh, right? I, I wish I had seen that. I didn't even look. I, shame on me. I, that's, that's dumb. It's dumb. That's bad job, folks. You did a bad job. Bad job, yeah. All right. Um, what do we have here? Steven Adams over 10 and a half rebounds. Mitch Armstrong. Don't hate it. He has uh, definitely gotten more minutes these last couple of games. Grizzlies money line, like it, definitely a possibility. Let's go some value in that number. What's that? There's definitely value in that number. It's kind of been the story of the series, and it's one of those examples where, yes, Golden State should be favored, and they're probably going to win all these games, but there's been value in Memphis at every number. So Mm -hmm. if there's value in the spread, there's almost certainly value in the money line. It's it's not a bad bet at all. Yep. Let's look at our best bets today, not just the ones that are not bad. Our best ones. Grizzlies for Josh and Alex. Josh is also playing Celtics money line, and I'm taking the under in Celtics Bucks today. It's a potential closeout game for both the Warriors and the Bucks tonight. We will have to wait and see what happens later tonight. But we would love, in the meantime, if you guys would like, subscribe, hit that alert button so you know when we're going live, and head over to Twitter. Give us all a follow. Uh, we would love the support. All right, gentlemen, Josh, I know you are already enjoying your weekend. It's Saturday on your side of the world, so go have a great day with your family, friends, whatever you're doing. And Alex, you do the same this weekend. We'll see you guys next week.